Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, what a beautiful journey of faith. And thank you, Ryan and Lexi, for sharing your faith story. It's a faith story where unexpected challenges are met with God's unexpected ways in those unexpected challenges. And I'd really love for you to think about that as we enter into today's message. Are there any times in your life when unexpected challenges have been met with God's unexpected ways? Um, welcome to all of those who are worshiping at all of our campuses, those who are joining us Online, my name is Per Nielsen. I'm one of the preaching pastors here at Hosanna, and I have the privilege of starting off our Advent message series today. And for some of you, you may not know but about the season of Advent in the life of the church. So Advent is one of a number of different seasons that are a part of the church year. Many churches celebrate these church seasons, and they're really there to tell the story, to tell God's story in an ongoing fashion. So Advent um, means coming, Adventus means coming, and it's really a time of expectation, a season of expectation, of expectant waiting for the birth of Jesus. Now, Advent is one of many seasons in the church year. Um, the church year actually begins with Advent, and then it moves into Christmas, and then Epiphany, um, and then comes Lent, and then Easter, and then Pentecost, which is the longest of those seasons. But it's a great time to press into the heart of God. And there's, there's a lot of different activities that surround the Lenten season for many people. Uh, they'll light candles, they'll read particular scripture passages, some churches have mid week Lenten services. Some do all of the above. Um, now, let me bring you back into some of my experience. When I was just a little kid growing up, um, one of the things that my mom and dad did to help bring us into the Christmas story, not the Christmas celebration, the Christmas story was to create a little manger scene. And this, and this manger scene was was green and and it was hills and it was a stable and as kids we grew up with this we got to look at it the picture you see I was about 19 years old at this point in time but as far back as I can remember this was a part of our family experience because my mom and dad wanted to bring us into the story of Christmas not just the celebration of Christmas and to enhance that a little bit further, what they would do, what mom did was she took some little cardboard things and, and she shaped them like, like shepherds and stars and she would write Bible passages on them and she put them on a string and every morning we would wake up, we would go out and we would move one of those over and there was a Bible passage attached to it that we would read that night and then there were little stones, little pebbles along the path leading up to the stable and we would move Mary and Joseph one step. We would light candles we would sing Christmas songs, and it was remarkable. It was a remarkable invitation into the story of Christmas, not just the celebration of Christmas. I, I remember it so fondly, and that was the purpose. The purpose was bringing us into the story, bringing us into the narrative. 
And, and in doing so, walking us through the scripture passages and, help, and allowing us as kids move Mary and Joseph just one step at a time, it encouraged us to consider God's presence, not just worldly presence. You see, the story of Christmas then included people and, and relationships and unexpected challenges and, and God's voice speaking into them all. It included time and distance and, and housing and God's provision through it all. It contained promises and emotions and, and real questions. I mean, real life questions. The story of Christmas made God real in the day today. In contrast, the event of Christmas regularly passes by God's activity on the way to opening those gifts on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Another way to stir up some thought is this question, which is more important to you? God's presence or worldly presence? Now let me just push that a little bit deeper. If someone were to look at your checkbook, at your calendar, or listen to your conversation, God's presence, worldly presence. It's a good question to consider. Over the course of the next weeks, we want to invite you into the story of Christmas where God's presence completely overshadows worldly presence, where God's gift of grace is more important than any gift you will ever open, where the journey changes your perception of the destination and where patient expectation magnifies the celebration of Jesus' birth where we encounter the Christ of Christmas, God's presence, God's power, God's purpose in an intimate way. If you have a Bible with you today, I'd like to invite you to open up to Matthew's Gospel in the very first chapter. Matthew's Gospel, the very first chapter. We're starting at verse 18. And while you're getting there, um, let me just give you some insight into how Matthew particularly approaches the birth of Jesus. Um, he begins in Matthew 1 with the genealogy starting at Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, and going up to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. Now, it reminds us of some important things. It reminds us that, that the birth of Jesus isn't a random event. It's part of a larger narrative. It's part of a larger story. It's part of a family narrative. It reminds us that this family history includes God moving in the lives of, of real people. And some of those real people have a prophetic voice. And they look out into the future and they proclaim the coming Messiah with that prophetic voice. For example, in Isaiah 7:14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 9:6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Micah 5:2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one for me who will be ruler over Israel. And here's the beautiful thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of that family history. You are part of that prophetic story. So Matthew 1.18 begins this way. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. 
Now notice that it doesn't say this is how Jesus was born. You see, right out of the gate, Matthew wants to articulate the unique position of Jesus' birth. Jesus is not any baby. He is the Messiah. In the Greek language, he is the Yesu Christu, Jesus the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is not a tag word to be used in, in swearing or an expression of frustration. In fact, let me ask you to never use Jesus or, or Jesus Christ in that way. It's an absolute violation of the second commandment that we should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Instead, Christ is a statement of divine identity. Just sit with that for a bit. It's a statement of divine identity. And so right away in Matthew's gospel, Matthew wants us to know that Jesus carries a divine identity. Jesus is the one set apart for God's purpose. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one who will fulfill God's promises. So Matthew begins the story of Jesus' birth with an all-in statement. I am all in that Jesus is the Christ. I'm all in that he's the one talked about by the prophets of old. I'm all in that he came to bring a very special and unique gift to the world. I'm all in that he's the Messiah. Right up front, Matthew says, I'm all in that Yesu Christu is the one we've been waiting for. I'm all in. That's a great question for us to ask. Are we all in that Jesus is the Christ? Are we all in that he is the Messiah? And, and if not, why not? What's keeping you from committing your life to Jesus the Christ? So Matthew is all in, but not everyone in the story is all in. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, is one of those people who wrestles with what it means to live by faith. And as we continue, we'll hear his story as he, he moves from a hesitant faith to an absolutely all-in faith. And he does, through, does so through quite a series of unexpected challenges, unexpected events that both challenge him and they change him. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been some pretty interesting moments in my life where unexpectedly God's word comes into my life and, and really changes my perspective on what it means to live for God in this world. For example, there was one time I was at Kelts Bar over in Rosemount and we were just having a Coke and a burger and I went to the restroom and washed my hands and, and, um, and then I looked down at the dryer and on the dryer was this little tag that said motion activated and I went... <laughs> Motion activated, that's what it means sometimes to live by faith. That I've, I've got to actually do something. I've got to step into faith before God's promise, God's perspective starts being activated in my life. That God starts moving before it. I've got to be willing to take that risk. I've got to step into the unknown. And Jesus' birth narrative is filled with occurrences like that. 
Here's another one. Um, I was at a wedding a number of years ago, and we got to that place in the wedding. We were doing some of those old wedding dance tunes, you know, you know, shout, lift your hands up and shout, come on now, shout. And then we did the chicken dance. And then we got to the hokey pokey. Okay, and you guys got to do this one with me. Would you stand up, all of our campuses? I'm going to have you stand up right here. Yep, get on up, stand on up. We're doing the hokey pokey together. Okay, put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your right foot in, and you shake it all about, you do the hokey pokey, and you turn yourself around, that's what it's all about. Yeah, beautiful job, give yourself a round of applause, great job, all the campuses. You're wondering, what in the world are we doing in church today? So here, here's the connection. I, uh, I get done with that dance, I go back, I sit down, I drink Coca-Cola, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, this smile on my face uh, turns reflective, and I went, huh, that's kind of how I'm living out some areas of my faith. I got one foot in, and I got one foot out. I'm kind of a hokey-pokey Christian. Hmm. Any of you ever feel that way? Any of you identify with, with that position where you got one foot in the faith and you got one foot out of the faith? And here's what's amazing about the story of Joseph. If you're, if you're wrestling with that commitment, that's Joseph's story. For a period of time, he's got one foot in and he's got one foot out. Let's continue. Verse 18. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. When I imagine myself in that story, I feel the conflict that Joseph is feeling. And at this point in the story, there are any number of possible responses. Joseph could have just walked away. Joseph could have condemned Mary on the public street corner. Joseph could have responded in, in a way that was angry and, and violent. We gotta remember, this is, this is a baby that he did not help create. And she became pregnant during their engagement. He could have done any number of things. He could have exploded in anger. He could have asked her to get an abortion. He could have, he could have done anything. But what we have is something different than that. I have to tell you, in a world that, that's driven by anger and revenge, like Pastor Gometrius talked about that way, any of those expressions would have been justifiable by Joseph. And who knows, maybe behind the scenes something like that happened. Maybe he did blow up in anger. We, we don't know. But what we do know is what we have recorded in Scripture. And here's what it says. Joseph was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, there's a couple of really important things to get at here. The first is Joseph's righteousness. Apparently, he was a man 
who lived rightly in the eyes of God and people. And this righteousness compelled him to care for Mary and the child she carried, even while making the decision to separate himself from her. This phrase, did not want to disgrace Mary publicly, points to that level of care. We can also see that Joseph's religious righteousness still motivated him to separate himself, his life, from hers. According to Jewish law, Mary would have been considered unrighteous or unclean because of this pregnancy, because it did not happen in the context of their wedded relationship. And according to Jewish law, the righteous needed to separate themselves from the unrighteous, needed to step away. And so he does. He decides to separate. But because of his care for her, he decided to go about doing that quietly. You see, if he, if he would have done it publicly, if he would have screamed it from the rooftops, there would have been serious consequences for Mary at that moment in time, including the possibility of her being put to death by stoning. That was a real possibility. He didn't want that for her nor for the child that she carried. So Joseph decides to go about it quietly, which, by the way, and this is important to understand, also benefited Joseph because it kept him out of the limelight. Now, it's important to say that, that even that grace-filled decision to separate quietly from Mary would have put Mary in a very difficult position over time, a very difficult position, because now she's pregnant, and there's no father, no one to care for her around, no husband. And sooner or later, people are going to find out that she's pregnant. And then what? Here's the truth. Joseph's act of righteousness benefits him way more than it does Mary. In other words... Sometimes our righteous acts can actually have a self-motivation behind them. We help the poor because we want to feel good. We repent because we just want to be able to move on in life. Uh, we engage in the practice of religious rites and rituals so that we, we can look good before others. Have you ever thought about that in your own life. It's one of the reasons that Jesus addresses this issue in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's Gospel 6.1, where he says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Here's another way to say it. If your righteous activity is primarily about you, isn't that the definition of self-righteousness? The point is this. Joseph is wrestling with what it means to be all in. He's really struggling with it. He thought he was all in with his engagement to Mary. He really did. He thought he was all in. But then came the unexpected occurrence. And at that moment, his idea of all in was challenged. And we just got to pause here for a second and acknowledge that this scenario happens all the time today. 
And it occurs that, that, that an all-in commitment is challenged by something that is unexpected. And quite often, it happens in exactly the same context that we're talking about in the context of marriage and the family. The all-in promise, as long as we both shall live, till death do us part, encounters the unexpected, and all of a sudden, the promise with no qualifications has qualifications. And for far too many people, for far too many people, the unexpected challenge justifies breaking the covenantal promise made at the altar. And church, I know that I cannot speak to every situation But I do want to challenge followers of Jesus to look at this through a different set of lenses. I want to challenge followers of Jesus to look at situations like this through the mind and the heart of Christ, not the ways of the world. And when you think about this, through the mind and the heart of Christ, Jesus says that that you make this promise expecting the unexpected. That's why you make the promise. You make it because of the unexpected. Now, in light of that, if, there, if there's anything at all that the birth of Jesus Christu, Jesus the Christ, challenges us to do in this part of the story, it is to reconsider the value of life and relationship and marriage and family and what it means to be all in in the eyes of God. And what you'll see is this. That God values life and relationship and marriage and the family more than we could ever imagine. And to declare that, he sent his son, Jesus Christu, Jesus the Christ, to die for us. Proclaiming the true value of life and relationship. And proclaiming that it is all found in sacrifice, not personal happiness. In servanthood, not selfishness. In other words, that living your best life now, as the common phrase goes, living your best life now from the Christian perspective is not found with sand between your toes and a bottle of Modelo in your hand. It's just not found there. Living your best life now from a Christian perspective means humbly sacrificing and serving so that others can live their best life and so on and so on and so on and so on. That's the point Joseph reaches in this story. It's the beautiful point he reaches. He encounters the voice of God, and all of a sudden, his hokey-pokey life becomes an all-in life. Living his best life, then, is rightly framed, properly framed with humility and sacrifice and servanthood, which is always the case if you are a follower of Jesus the Christ. It is always, always the case. In verse 20, the unexpected voice of God speaks into this unexpected challenge that Joseph is facing. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And then comes a cursory prophetic statement connecting the entire story together. 
All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. An unexpected occurrence was met with the unexpected voice and provision of God. And all of a sudden, this man who saw righteousness through a particular set of lenses was willing to reframe his personal understanding of righteousness and be righteous before the living God in a whole new way. A righteousness that demanded living his best life by humbly sacrificing and serving so that someone else could humbly sacrifice and serve. A righteousness that is now connected to a baby named Jesus, Yesu Christu, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who will save God's people from their sins. Now, it's no coincidence that this same language, Yesu Christu, is used in every statement of faith of the Christian church, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and one of which you probably even haven't heard, the Athanasian Creed. It's also used in one of the earliest creedal statements that we find in the Bible from the book of Philippians in the second chapter, verses 10 and 11, where it says this, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So over the course of the next weeks in this Advent message series, we're going to be exploring what it means to confess Jesus as the Christ. What it means to proclaim Jesus as the Christ of Christmas. What it means to be a part of God's larger story in that regard. And what it means to live our best life for him. Not for us. For him. So here's my pastoral challenge over the course of the next weeks. Consider what the good news of Christmas, which is centered on the Christ of Christmas, means for you, especially at those times of unexpected challenge. You might even want to consider Lexi's statement. That was a part of the testimony heard when she said this, but a lot of things in my life have not been what I wanted them to be, and God just used them, and they were good. Let that inspire you and motivate you and move your heart to put both feet into this journey with Jesus. Ask yourself the question. I mean, look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, are there any places in my life where I've got one foot in and one foot out? Honestly, ask yourself the question, am I a hokey pokey Christian? And if you are, let me encourage you to not try and turn yourself around. In fact, I'm gonna encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit into your life to turn you around. Because church, that's the good news of Jesus. We don't have to do that work by ourselves. 
He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us get turned around. And that, my church, in the language of the hokey pokey song, is what it's all about. Can I have an amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for today, for the goodness of your word, for the blessing of the experience of walking with you. Lord, I want to pray especially for those who are experiencing unexpected challenges in their life right now today, that you would meet them in unexpected ways, and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would compel them to step out in faith and draw closer to you. We pray, Lord God, for the next weeks as we enter into the story of Christmas, not just the celebration of Christmas, and that during that time, you, Jesu Christu, Jesus the Christ, the Christ of Christmas, would come more alive in our heart than ever before. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.